What's up, heroes, and welcome to episode 97 of the Producer Life Podcast. Today's guest is Yara, better known in the Atlanta techno scene as Shakes. Yara is a diehard techno fan, fashionista, and the founder of Twisted Lines. Twisted Lines began in 2018 in the alleyways of L.A., but it's grown into an Atlanta-based community of techno and house music lovers who build art events inspired by the underground warehouse raves of the 90s. Her events are much more than just themed music nights. Past events have incorporated sports car collectives, art installations, and they recently closed out Atlanta's Digital Art Week. During the interview, we talk about what has made Twisted Lines so successful, how to make your events stand out, and the things DJs need to know when working with an event promoter. But first, cue the intro music. All right, Yara, welcome to the Producer Life Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Really excited. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, I haven't had a whole lot of promoters on here, but I'm really excited about this talk because you've you've really built an incredible scene here in Atlanta with Twisted Lines, and I'm uh, looking forward to delving into how that came about and, and uh, what you've done to make it so successful. Perfect. I'm ready. <laughs> ready <to talk> about <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I guess my first question is, you know, you have this incredible passion for techno. Where did where did that come from? How did you first get into the techno scene? Uh, it definitely originated from when I decided to move to California around 2016. Um, I would say that like back in the day, I was a base head. <laughs> okay. But when I moved to California, I... Um, I, you know, I was still like into the same type of music. And then I was a, just a promoter for this group called White Rabbit. And their shows were mainly house, house music. And they actually did a lot of genres, but it was a lot of house music. Um, from there, I got invited to my first quote unquote underground show. And that's really where it all started. Um, I just did not know what to expect at all. So when I got invited, it was, you know, a really almost like weird location because it was just like in an alley, a random alley in LA. There was like nothing else around it. It was like pitch dark. And, you know, I don't know where you walk to the location and you see a security guard outside. As soon as you like open the doors, it's like a whole new little fairy world inside because there's just so much going on and you find really interesting people. Um, Mm -hmm. And the music, one of the main genres of music for underground shows in LA is techno. Um, and then after that, I got really into shuffling and I was in a shuffle group and they, mm-hmm. they were all like about techno, like just techno, techno, techno. So that's really where it all started. Just um, finding a community that I really felt like I, I felt welcomed and warmed. Um, and that was the underground community, community and the shuffle community. And of course, that was their main genre of music, techno. Yeah. Hard to shuffle the bass. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not possible. <laughs> what is um what is underground? That, to different people that means different things. So when you think of the underground music community, what does that mean to you? To me, it definitely means a community that it's very open and welcoming to you know different types of people that comes from all walks of life and 
because for me, like it was just really hard to find my place when I had just moved to a brand new city and a city that's so big and there's so much going on. Um, and it's just like when I would go to like clubs, I never would really find my place. And maybe I was just like not in the right clubs or I wasn't maybe with the right people. But I feel like when I would go to these events that were underground, it was I never really felt like I had to put up a front of who I really was to feel like I could make friends. Because in reality, I can kind of be like shy, like I'm not the first one to go up to someone and talk and make friends. So Mm -hmm. that would take a lot of me. Um, But then when I would go to this underground shows, it was just everybody was just so nice and welcoming and they just didn't care. They just wanted to generally have a good time with you for one night, you know? And for me, that's really where the underground came is just a community where it's exclusive and inexclusive, you know, everybody's welcomed and it really just feels like there's no judgment in there. And that's really what made me fall in love with it. So for me, that's the true meaning of it. Of course, there's like a lot of meaning for it because of course there's also underground music. Um, But for me, it's mainly about the community. Okay. What brought you back to Atlanta? So I was still working, like I still had my job in LA, but we were working in an office. Um, Once COVID started, we had to work from home. Mm -hmm. And within like the first month, I guess it was like really bad over there. Like we really could not, you know, go out anywhere. There was curfews. It was really, really bad. So at that point I was like, I'd rather be with my family if you know if things get really ugly so i came back to atlanta i was still working from home throughout that time i really felt like i was gonna go back and you know i was just waiting like okay like anytime soon like i'm just gonna go back and my life's just gonna proceed and you know (laughs) i just thought things were gonna go back to the same thing and then months went by i guess it was around june or july that the office i was working for laid laid me off and at that point i was like well, I feel like I just don't really have much to go back to. I mean, of course, I had my friends and everything else. At the same time, I was it was really nice to be back home. And I felt mm-hmm. really grounded. Um, like, I just, it, it was like a good break. So then I was like, I'm just going to stay. And I ended up just staying. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <laughs> lots of people are glad you did. So where did Twisted Lines come in at, at that point? Or how how long after you moved back did you conceive of this art music collective so it had already started um i started it back in 2019 and Mm -hmm. i had about three shows in la um and then when i came back i had just done one in 2020 at the beginning of 2020 it was on in february i believe and then when i came back to atlanta the first one happened in june the very first one june or july Okay. So not, not too much of a break there. Um, what, so where does the name Twisted Lines come from? Um, so Twisted Lines is, um, you know, like we're all human beings going through like our own path, our own walking life. At some point mm-hmm. in our life, we cross each other and that's where a Twisted Line comes in from. So, oh, okay. yeah. So, so the meaning of it is just, you know, we're all collectively just walking through life. At some point we cross each other and then there's a bunch of Twisted lines that get formed metaphorically yeah cool our our interconnectedness yeah so what what would you say i mean there's a lot of um a lot of promoters out there but i noticed that in your in some of the descriptions of twisted lines you've been called a music collective instead of like just a a a music promoter what 
what's the distinction you're drawing there? Um, for me, it's really important to just connect with um, not just artists and DJs, but with, you know, all types of artists. So if you're a photographer, if you like to model, if you like to do graphic design, um, if you like to do merch, uh, for me, it's like really important to connect with every type of artist because I feel like sometimes it's really important to just be a part of something and it helps you find your way into what you really like or helps you meet other people in the scene. So a collective is more welcoming of, you know, it doesn't matter if you know how to DJ or if you produce music, but maybe you like to dance and you know how to dance and, um, you know, another form of art. I think that's what I mean by that. So okay. very welcoming into like other forms of art or if anybody ever wants to collaborate and like a photo shoot, I'm very open to it because I really thrive with working with other people and just exchanging ideas. It, it's interesting because one of the things that I, I think makes Twisted Line so distinctive is that it is much more than a music event. Um, you know, I was looking back at some of your earlier Instagram posts and some of the uh, collaborations you had with sports car groups, um, you know, coming out and showcasing their work and art installations. And of course, this lack, last week with the big uh, digital art week, uh, you guys mm. capping that off, you know, you it's not just, hey, we're going to play some music and people are going to dance. You you really go out of your way to make it a much more holistic art experience. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I think um, with since starting off in L.A., it was really, really competitive because there was, you know, like a show every two mile radius. So I had to really focus on how I was going to make myself different from everybody else. And the only way that I could possibly do it with such a low budget was to make the experience unique and like different. And, you know, like maybe this is not happening once every two weeks or whatever like um it, you know it's gonna happen like once every few months so that's where I really started to like focusing on the experience in itself from the moment you walk in to like if there's food um of course like our installations or other other performers like like how you said like the cars like that was that was a really good night um that's when I kind of found my way of okay I really want to focus on this because that was only my second event and it really, really helped me figure out what I wanted to do with it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm drawing parallels. My very first guest on this podcast about two years ago, so I, I kind of got my start podcasting about the same time this started, was Lauren Hardy, who runs Bass Night Orlando. And mm -hmm. he started very much with, you know, underground back rooms, um, alleys, anywhere he could. And he's got this incredible passion for bass music, much like you have for techno. And he's built this phenomenal following there. Um, you know, last time I went to one of the events, he had 300 people out on a Monday night. Nice. And um, so, you know, but he's doing something similar in that he's bringing in artists, he's bringing in flow artists, he's bringing in, you know, every time you go, it's like a, a little festival. He's got mm -hmm. all sorts of merchants and vendors there. Um, so it's really interesting. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have to link that in the show notes and, and I'll send you a link as well. Cause you'd be interested in that, especially since you, you probably still have a, probably still listen to some bass here and there. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about the, the digital art week this, this past weekend, how did that go? That was really interesting um, for me. Cause I, you know, I'm trying to learn about 
everything that's coming up with their world, like the metaverse and NFTs and VR. Like I'm really trying to learn, but I think it really took that experience also for myself to see how much we could do in the future. You know, like now you can really be submerged in just like so many different points of art. Um, I really enjoyed it myself. Um, I was supposed to have my first NFT drop, but that did not happen. But I'm still working on that. Um, but it, it went really, really well. And I think that's also just important to have at events for other things to be happening so that, you know, your mind can also just be entertained in different forms. Like if you want to take a break and just want to drink some water, then at that point you have something to look at and, you know, it could even give you an idea. But I really enjoyed it. Like the artists were phenomenal. They were so, so, so talented. Um, so yeah, it was a really good experience for me. I was kind of also really curious to see how people were going to respond to it. And funny enough, I know that a couple of people only came for the reason that they wanted to look at this art. And, you know, the music was in addition. So I think it was it was it was a really good experience. And of course, you know, like just trying something new. Definitely yeah. hoping to do more stuff like that in the future. Yeah, I expect that's a good way to get um, introduce people to underground techno. You know, get mm-hmm. if you have those crossover events. I went to um, a really interesting one recently. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Trap Sushi here in Atlanta, but it's a a group that does um, a lot of trap and hip hop music. But then they had Beltline Cosplay come out and do a cosplay competition and they also brought in sushi um a sushi restaurant and they also had some cars it was very very much mm. a hip hop anime cosplay thing uh at fun. this uh, brewery in downtown Atlanta but it was it was a lot of fun it was a a cool combination of of sort of multiple different i guess subcultures right so it was it was, it was fun so you guys it seems like you guys are, are have grown beyond the uh, sort of back alley early twisted lines days. Um, you guys were the first to do an underground Atlanta, this you know huge complex in downtown Atlanta, and use that as a venue. How, how did that come about? So that was really never in the plans. Like we, you know, we never had that in our calendar, and we're like, okay, like five months from now, we're gonna do a huge bug party. Let's prepare. Um, initially what was happening is that we already had a special guest coming in for July 9th. So I was like, okay, perfect. Like, let's make it a one year celebration. Let's have a really cool production. Um, at that point we were working with, um, his name is Matt and he does like amazing stage design and lighting. So we were working with him a lot. And then, you know, he was sending us like sketches of how the stage was going to look. And we were like, perfect. Like that's mainly what we're focusing on a really big and awesome stage, but at a, you know, at a big location, but not nothing like underground. Um, so that's what we're focusing on. And we had found a, uh, uh, sorry, (laughs) we had found a venue, but I kind of had a realization because I realized that the venue didn't have an outdoor area. And at that point we were like, okay, like, great. We found a venue. Like, let's keep on, you know, working. Cause we were having an LA show in like the next two weeks. Um, so I was like, okay, great. Like, let's keep things moving. Like we found an, a venue, but it doesn't have an outdoor edi- area. Like, you know, but then I had a realization where I was like, okay, this is like, just does something doesn't feel right. It, it feels like I'm not really, working as hard as I used to work 
you know, trying to get all these components. So I had a meeting with the team and I was like, guys, I feel like, you know, from the beginning, like the reason why people started to come is because they really like the experience. And sometimes the experience includes, you know, having like an outdoor area that you can take a smoke break and eat some tacos and just like chill for a second. Mm-hmm. So at that point I was like, yeah, we're not going to stop. We're going to find another venue. We're not going to stop until we find a venue that's reasonable for what we want to do. Um, so I believe that was the week um, of that the week before I left to LA for the LA show. Um, and I was just calling all of the connections that I have asking if, you know, maybe they had a new venue and, I met up with one of my colleagues and then he was showing me this other venue that I did not end up using, but that's when I met uh, Chris Plitcher. He's the creative director of underground. He happened to be at the same place where I was, you know, where this other venue was located. Um, And this was the very day before I left to LA. Pretty much. I was like, okay, like I just really want to get this done. Like, let's go ahead and do it. I dropped everything I was doing, hoping that, you know, this venue that I was going to go check out was going to be it, but it wasn't, it was too small. And like I said, crispy happened to be there. And then we just started talking and he was like, oh yeah, like we have, you know, a lot of cool plans for the development of underground. And then I was like, Underground Atlanta? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, for real? Because <laughs> I used to go there when I was a kid. Um, I think I was like 12 or 13. I would go with my mom to these really big Latin festivals. And for as long as I could remember, like Underground was just closed and it was dead. And, you know, every time I drove past it, I would get so sad because I had really, really good memories there. And so when he said like, yeah, it's Underground Atlanta, I was like, that's crazy. And then, you know, he invited me to go see it. And I was at that point, I was like fangirling inside. I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, go inside Underground Atlanta. Like, it hasn't been open in so long. Like, I was so excited. So we went to Underground Atlanta. And at that point, there was like absolutely nothing there, like nothing. Like, it was just, you know, vacant from top to bottom. And then we were walking through all these floors. And then he was like, yeah, like, if you want, you know, you can do an event in one of these spaces. And then I was like, what space? And he was like, any space you want. And I was like, for real? (laughs) So, but this was two weeks before July 9th. And I was already going to leave. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Was it two weeks? I can't really remember. Okay, it was three weeks before July 9th. I was going to leave for LA for about four days to do this LA show. So realistically, we only had two weeks to plan and to promote. So it was, you know, for me, it was just like, uh, this is like a one time opportunity that it's not going to happen again, because eventually they are going to start bringing people in. And, you know, some people might not be happy. If there's like a rave going inside next to their store or, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. At the, you know, at the other time, it's like we only have like a very short amount to plan. Can we pull this off? You know, um, so. I got his phone number and I was like, okay, you know, it was great to meet you. I will definitely let you know. You know, he also had to check back if we could make it happen for that date as well with the owners. Um, So I left to LA the very next day. um, And then I was there, I believe, like starting Wednesday. And then that, the very next day that I arrived, I started to 
once again, contact everybody that I knew in the scene that had done big projects like this, as also as friends that I know, like have, you know, big businesses or have done really big things, because I just didn't know how to like, you know, pull this off financially. And, you know, like what, what did I have to do to pretty much make it successful? Cause it was going to be really, really big for me, like my first time, you know? Um, so I started to get advice and then they were like, okay, like, you know, you should do this and, you know, do this percentage, waste this, this on that. They were just giving me tips. And then at that point I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Like if it works out, if it works out, if it doesn't, it doesn't. So I called Chris and I was like, you know, I'm on board, let's do it. We have two weeks. So we really have to just, you know, it's going to be like a very intense, intense next two weeks. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. And, you know, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was really a one, <laughs> once in a lifetime thing, because now all of underground Atlanta, like there's no way to use all that space, how we used it before. Cause we had the main stage where, yeah the very end of the Banksy exhibit is. And then we had the second stage all the way on the other escalators. And now like there's really, you know, no no way to recreate that unless, you know, they tore down all those walls that have now been built up. Um, and then we had a third stage in one of the storefronts that also has an artist in there now. So it was it was truly an amazing experience. And of course with, you know, Georgia weather, initially we were gonna have it outside but it ended up raining, which is why we had to have it all inside. But I think that was really like the best way it could have worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds absolutely awesome. So that was a, a two week scramble. What is, what's your preferred timeline? How long do you use, how far out do you usually start planning events? Um, I actually, for me, like a comfortable time is a month because if it's more than a month, like I will, you know, I will set a date for like, let's say let's do something in August or whichever, but for me to like, really like be tunnel focused and just put on my energy and time, I usually like to do it the month before month and a half, if it's going to be a really big one. Okay. And, and what is it? take? I mean, you, you talked about a lot of the phone calls for the location and, and trying to find the venues. I, I guess that's the first question is, can you walk walk me through kind of the process for putting on an event? You know, do you identify your location first, your artist first? What are some of the things that you have to factor in and consider? Um, so before we started um, booking quote unquote headliners, you know, we would just work with our friends and pretty much the main component at that point was finding a venue and then everything else will fall into place. Um, now that we're starting to book international talent and, you know, we have to book them in advance, we have to have already a venue in place. Um, like, you know, way before we reach out to them because we have to give them that information, capacity, where it's going to be located, you know, everything like that. So now I have really focused more on just finding very, how do I say, reliable venues that I know that are going to be good for the night. I already have, um, you know, we have already worked previously together. And if we haven't, then I have already had like meetings with them, you know, gotten like all the details out. Um, and then now I'm, I'm really focusing on just filling our calendar up with talent, you know, European techno DJs that we want to bring, um, as well as other DJs like that live in the United States. But um, after booking the artist and having established 
the date and the artist is locked in already. For the rest of the month, that's when we really focus on the experience, such as the theme and operations, which, you know, it includes everything from security guards to an EMT. Um, and like this last past one that we just had for Shlomo, we had a cop there. So after, you know, it has been established the date and the artist, then it's operations, making sure that it's run very smoothly. I'm really big on security and just, you know, feeling safe because I'm a woman myself. So mm -hmm. I can definitely know what it feels like to go to an unknown place and then it's dark everywhere. So I really try to focus a lot on just having protocols with our security guards if they see something out of the norm or, you know, maybe having an extra one or two security guards that are available at the front in case somebody just wants to have someone to walk to their car with. And, you know, like maybe they just don't feel safe. Um, so the, the next process is just focusing a lot on operations, making sure it's going to run smoothly. And then during that, also the experience, are we going to have a theme? Are we going to have um, performers and that sort of thing? Okay. That's, that's a lot of stuff to juggle. Now, is it, there's, there's several people that, that work on your team, right? You've got, it's not just you. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have a, I would say it's a team of about four to five people now. Um, you know, everybody's has like different tasks, but it's, it's like, it's a new thing that we have this many people in our team. Like before it was just really, it was just me, uh, my business partner, and our production manager. Mm -hmm. But now it's, um, I'm definitely starting to grow it a little bit more just because we're trying to have more dates, not just in Atlanta, but in other states. So sometimes if I can't focus, you know, like in another state or here, then I, ha I can have someone take over that. But I would say it's a very, very new thing that our team is recently growing. Um, definitely trying to learn on that as well because this is the first time that i <laughs> that i've ever you know like managed a team of like okay like you focus on this i focus on this so it's a very new thing for me <laughs> but it's been it's been exciting and of course like scary at the same time because at the same time you know everything falls back on me so it is a sense of responsibility but i just try to really just enjoy it for me, like it's enjoying the process. Before I would just try to get through an event and just making sure it was successful. And everything before that seemed like a blur. Like I just could not remember so many things. Now I try to just like really be present from the very start. You know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm just like, okay, like I'm waking up and I have a lot of things to do, but I'm just going to enjoy it because I'm working towards something that I love. It looked like when the, um, Sam Wolf masquerade event that you guys did a couple of weeks ago when I was there and I ran into you. I mean, you look like you were just having a really good time. So I guess that's your your reward for all the effort you put in. You get to enjoy the music and, and relax a little bit. Or, or do you find yourself still getting sucked into operations even the night of the event? We did actually have an emergency that night. Um, so that was, a, and it's funny enough, I told the the people that were working at the front, like, just, you know, text me unless it's an emergency. And then it was, but um, it, it just happened like once that night before, like when I had just started to make events, I noticed that throughout the whole night, I would be very stressed about every little thing. And then as I started to do more and more events, I just started to realize that, you know, things are eventually going to happen. Um, I'm starting this new thing where I write a letter to myself 
before the morning of an event. And in the letter, I always tell myself like something is, you know, something might not go right, um, might not go to plan, but I just have to like breathe and keep going and enjoy whatever does go right. So it's definitely something that I have adapted and it has helped me so much because before, mm-hmm. you know, like I would I would have an event, like I had this really big mansion party in LA. It was a sold out show. I had over 400 people. It was really, really crazy. And there was a line outside, like, and I just couldn't believe that I had done that in like such like a city like LA where there was like so many things happening. But I can honestly say that I myself don't even remember that night because I was stressed 24 <laughs> seven. And mm-hmm. I wish I could just relieve, relive that night and I can't, but that's what I really learned to just, you know, enjoy, enjoy it, even if it's not going to plan or, you know, it's it usually is, but I'm saying like, you know, one or two things are going to happen and it's going to disrupt things a little bit, but the point is just to relax and keep going easier said than done, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm yeah. definitely learning that. Yeah. Is, uh, if you could offer Yara some advice two years ago, what what would you say to her? Uh, to not worry about, <laughs> I would tell myself that to not worry about not running out of creative ideas. Before that was my main concern. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to sustain this brand if I don't know what to do next. I would just definitely tell myself to not worry, to really trust myself um, and to choose my mental health first because I used to not do that. Um, to choose okay. my mental health first because it definitely all ties together. Okay. Obviously, DJs are a big part of the the performance, not not the only part, but it's it's a big piece of it. What what do you wish? What do DJs need to know about working with promoters? Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely say that you know when we have like new artists um, that are, that play for us, it's really easy to. How do I say? Oh, sorry, I'm trying to find like a right way to say this. Okay, so when artists reach out to us, sometimes you know all we need is just like a 30 minute mix. Mix. Um, so we have had occasions where artists that had already played for us reach out to us and they introduce themselves, and you know they send a 30 minute mix and then we listen to it and then we get them in their lineup, and that mm-hmm. helps a lot because then you know just like sending like a SoundCloud link or just a, like a link to the mix and explaining what type of genre you play. It, it helps a lot in a way that we know what event you could fit in. Because if you just play tech house and a night that's full of techno might not be good for you, but maybe one of the summer parties that is going to happen during the day and it's going to be very housey, um, you know, you could fit right in there. So I think just specifying like what what you're truly passionate about, because I know I know a lot of DJs like to, you know, play different genres. I do believe that also they have a forte, like something that they're just more passionate about and they really enjoy. And I think, you know, if they really enjoy it, then the crowd can also feel that. Um, so I think that's important. And then when it comes to, you know, just like the night of if they have already been booked, I actually have never really had a problem with any new artists that i work with in Atlanta that I can think of that they could, you know, do better. It would probably okay. just be that. I really do enjoy when um, it has happened to me once. I was at an alley cat party 
and his name is Ben. He just came up to me and he was like, hey, you're Shakes, right? And then, you know, he introduced himself and then he was like, well, like, I just moved here and I would really like to play an event. And then I believe I got him on for that weekend because we oh. had a bad boombox headlined. And I was like, great, you want to play? Amazing. Like, what do you play? And then, you know, he was like, you know, I can accustom my BPM depending on what type of night it is. So then I was able to find one extra spot for him in the lineup. So sometimes it can be really easy like that. Once again, like networking and just, you know, introducing yourself. I think it can go a really long way. And I know it's not easy a lot of times because I myself try to network a lot. And sometimes I'm just like, oh. I don't want to do this right now <laughs> because maybe I'm just like not in the best, you know, in the best mood or like, I just don't know if the conversation is going to go good or it's going to go awkward, but like, you just never really know. I know that my friends have gave me feedback that when, you know, people come up to me, I can be really short and I start to like play with my hands a lot. Once again, like I know I'd like do big events, but I can also be like really shy myself. So like, I totally understand, you know, <laughs> if it takes a lot, but I think, yeah, just like saying hi in person could go a long way. Okay. What, um, I, I believe I saw a while back, you guys were launching a merch line, but I was, I was looking on the website and I was looking at uh, your Instagram. I haven't seen anything about that recently. Is that still a, a route you're taking or what's going on with the merch line? So it's something that I have actually changed my my mind on how I want to go about it. Um, usually when we sell merch, it's it's because it, we're going to sell it at, an, at a specific event. So if you got a shirt, it's because you actually went to an event. There's no way to get a shirt other than, you know, you actually being there. And I think that could be like a really unique thing about it mm -hmm. is that, you know, you can't get merch online. Like you, it's a once in a, once in a, I guess you can say lifetime drop because it only, goes with that event and if you got it you know you got it if you don't then we're just going to have more drops however usually with the merch line i'm really passionate about fashion like nightlife fashion that's why i really mm -hmm. like to do photo shoots and promo shoots i think that for me it's just it helps me be a lot more confident when i'm running a night or when i'm going out so that's where i'm trying to mix those together and it's definitely been a learning progress of how I want to do it. Um, so if I'm dropping a complete merch line where it's going to be attached to a website, I definitely want it to be more than just t-shirts. Um, I want it to be like more custom apparels, like maybe it has also harnesses, like, you know, or accessory stuff like that. And that's definitely going to take more time of me. At the yeah. very beginning, when I did the very first drop and I did a photo shoot in LA, um, those pictures were like perfect for Shopify and I had uploaded it and then I ended up just not doing it because I realized that, you know, like if I, it was just like a deeper meaning for me where I was like, I don't want it to just be a t-shirt. I want it to also just be all like this different accessories and this, um, you know, different type of apparel that it is for sure going to take a little longer. And actually one of our DJs, his name's Brent. Um, he goes by Giyu. He, mm -hmm. his first gig was at Twisted Lines, and he goes to school for, I believe he said like fashion marketing or somewhere along those lines. Oh, so okay. we we talked about it, and then I was like, hey, like I 
I, I honestly don't know how the conversation came about, but he told me what he was going to school for. And he was like, you know, one of the things that I um, focus on is doing like pop-up shops. And I was like, that's funny because I want to do a pop-up shop. So we're playing on meeting up, having a meeting and like talking about ideas. So then that's where I, you know, I say like the beauty of like working together, even if later down the road, you can like collaborate on something is just amazing for me. Yeah. Sound, mm-hmm. You never know where somebody's hidden talents lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really do want to have a pop-up merch shop soon, um, inspired by a pop-up shop that I went to in LA by um, Nightbase, where AC Slater had a bunch of surprise DJs come and DJ while there was, and it was a free show. And, you know, his merch was just all over this gallery and it was really, really fun. So I really want to do something like that soon. I'm not quite clear. What do you mean by a pop-up merch shop? So it was at a, it was at like at a location. I would say like a like a store, like an empty store, and that store just had night base shirts and merch all over it. Um, and then in one side they had like a very simple DJ booth, which is just really like a table with some CDJs. Um, and because it was a night base pop-up shop then he had artists that are signed under that label come and DJ. I think Wax Motif came and then Sam, what's his name? Sorry, I can't remember his name. Something Armstrong is a house Mm. DJ as well. So they all came and they DJed and it was really, really fun. Like it was, it was kind of like an, like a daytime event where anybody could come. It was a free event, but you know, like the merch was all over the place. And that was kind of like the main insensitive, like come by merch and have fun. And you might not know who you're going to see perform there. Okay. If you had, um, if you had, un, I'm not going to say unlimited, but if you had a, a half a million dollar budget for an event, what, what would be sort of be your, um, what, what would you do? What, what sort of an event would you put on and where would you have it and and sort of dream big? What would you do? Definitely a downtown techno music festival. Um, I've always dreamed of having a, a festival. It doesn't have to be huge, but in downtown because I like to go for this industrial look. Um, Mm -hmm. So if we could have it like in downtown Atlanta in a really awesome area, I actually can't think of an area yet, but if it would be in downtown Atlanta and then we could have these awesome stages like what Factory 93 does, I believe that'd be the first thing I would focus yeah, on. Okay. Yeah, super industrial. And I've always wanted to have um, this stage design with ship containers. I saw uh, okay. it once for... I believe it was three points. It, you know, it was like just a stage built out of ship, shipping containers or ETC. I can't remember, but you know, something very industrial that you know definitely takes a lot of money, and just have techno and house headlining acts. That would definitely be the first, the first yeah. thing I would go to. That's a that's a cool idea. I wonder, I wonder how the resonance from those shipping containers would affect all the subs. I I mean, I could see in some ways it might amplify it, but in some ways it might just be a a horrific sort of sub muddy mess um, just because of the resonances. I, you know, as a producer, we're always concerned about having cabinets in the room and that sort of thing that may vibrate at, at certain frequencies, but uh, mm-hmm. it would certainly look cool. 
yeah it will occur even if we could have it at the entrance i've it's definitely yeah. having any an idea of mine that i've been just having in the back of my head forever that i know you know would take a lot of money to make a stage like that be possible but yeah yeah, there's um, I don't know if you've ever been down to Pinewood Studios outside of Peachtree City. There's a, I'm not sure if it's a venue or a production shop called the Shipyard, and it at least the front of the building consists of a bunch of shipping containers. And I've driven past it a couple times and and kept thinking, you know, that looks like a really cool building. I had to check mm-hmm. it out, but yeah, looks looks pretty awesome. That would be pretty cool to check out. Definitely, you said Shipyard. Shipyard, yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll have to look into that, and I'll, uh, I'll shoot you a link, see if I can find out a little bit more about it. I'm not sure if it's a venue or if it's a um, part of the production company for Pinewood Studios, but oh, okay. one of the things that, that surprised me, you know, thinking about merch and other other uh, places that would sort of make sense for Twisted Lines to go, uh, I, I looked on Spotify. I did not see a Twisted Lines Spotify playlist. Have you Have you guys ever thought about setting up a, a playlist for your followers that sort mm-hmm. of um, promotes all the artists that you're looking at and and that underground techno sound? Yeah, we, we did have one, um, but it just um, pretty much like the owner of the account, we, like, we don't have access to that account anymore. So we had to like start uh. one from from ground up but yeah we did have a little one but definitely want to start that again i definitely do feel like there's a lot of you know small components like that that we just haven't done yet um since we've been just doing like event after event but that's definitely something (laughs) that i really want to focus in yeah yeah it's all always a question of time and where to best spend your time so (laughs) yeah absolutely so all right. Well, what? Tell me about um, plans for this year. You know, we're a couple of months in. What? Um, what's next for Twisted Lines, and what are your, what are your plans for for the next uh, next twelve months? Um, I definitely would say that last year was a great year. You know, we had a lot of amazing talent and a lot of really big events. Um, but it was also just it, it made me reflect that what I really, really, actually want to focus on is more. Um, industrial, techno, European, even hardcore. And I think for this year, that's really what I've started to just put my attention on. And, you know, like I love house music and I know we're definitely going to have one or two shows that are house music. But for this year, it's just really focusing on techno, like harder techno, dark techno, and like I said, even hardcore. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, we're gonna have the anniversary for the block year, a block party. Sorry, the anniversary for the block party, um, which last year we had a surprise guest, and then this time we're actually gonna have a headliner. Um, and me and Sam Wolf have worked in projects like the last year where he brought people, and you know I helped curate the show. So we're definitely gonna sur- surprise people with um, a couple of acts that we're bringing this year. And yeah, that's definitely just my plans is just focusing more on techno, building the sound and the community, of course. Um, but I'm definitely excited for for the summer. We do have a lot of outdoor parties planned. So those are going to be really fun. They should start around like in the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, we were trying to make that happen a lot more than it did, but it was like, you know, factors of like weather and stuff like that. So that's definitely something that we're going to have more this year. But yeah, those are the plans for this year. 
Okay. Well, awesome. Well, I, I wish you guys good luck and look forward to seeing you at some of your shows. And what are the best best places for my listeners to connect with Twisted Lines? Uh, definitely our Instagram. Yeah. At Twisted Lines LLC. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I will make sure to include that link in the show notes. And uh, again, thanks thanks so much for your time today, Yara. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Super grateful. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the interview, please take a moment to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. Also, if you're in the Atlanta area and you'd like to attend a Twisted Lines event, come check out the links on the show notes page at producerlifepodcast.com and then look for episode 97. Until next time, this is the House Ninja reminding you to be somebody's hero today. Wow.